square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome, friends, to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This is Steve Fielder, your host, one more time, coming at you from the Gulf of Mexico. We're not actually in the Gulf of Mexico. As I'm uh, sitting here today talking with my friend Dave Myers, uh, I'm about two miles from the Gulf, and uh, I don't know, uh, other than the fact that this is... uh, where my wife wants to live, uh, that's why I live here, because I want to live where she is. <laughs> but now uh, you wonder why coon hunters down here in this part of the country. But it sure is nice in the wintertime. Right now, not so much with these 90-degree days and so forth. Well, we're about a week out from Autumn Oaks, the uh, podcast that's uh, been uh, running here on the DU Hunting Supply Network, uh, featured our three interviews done at Autumn Oaks. But today we're home in the studio. We should have a lot better quality audio today for you. And we've got a guest that I've wanted to have on the program for quite a long time. But as things go, you know, we get busy one way or the other and uh, and uh, things slide by. But very happy today to have Dave Myers from New Florence, Pennsylvania with me. How are you doing today, Dave? Good, Steve. How about yourself? I'm doing good for an old codger, you know, getting along reasonably well. As a friend of mine at UKC used to say, I was able to sit up and take nourishment this morning, so I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Better you to go down to, at the grass and up at the roots, I guess. That's <laughs> right. That is right. Well, I didn't get to visit with you at Autumn Oaks. I'm sure you were there, weren't you? Yeah, I was there. I was actually ever by your booth there a couple of times, but I didn't see you there. And Oh, well, don't tell them that. They'll dock my wages. (laughs) Well, I did see you there a few times, but you were already conducting some interviews and stuff. Yeah, I uh, I always enjoy going to Autumn Oaks just for the visiting. You know, that that camaraderie with fellow coon hunters and friends over the years is why I go now. Competition hunting is pretty much a thing in the past for me. I do see that the PKC organizations just come out with a senior world championship, and uh, people are saying right away, are you going? Are you going to participate? And uh, I tell them, well, hey, the limit or the the port portal to getting into that hunt is 60 years of age. That was uh, almost 17 years ago for me. <laughs> So, you know, when I was 60 years old, I could walk with anybody. I I had no problems. Nowadays, not so much. But how was your trip to Autumn Oaks? Uh, It was a a great one. Yeah, we always, the wife and I, we go out, my wife Kelly, we go out for the whole entire week. Usually go out, get there Sunday as soon as the gates open. Uh, Get inside, set up the camper, and uh, just yeah, hang out with friends and do some pleasure hunting leading up to the events. And well, that's uh, that's the way to do it. I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode here so I don't get. Uh, I know my buddy Keston Jesse down Virginia. He'll be calling me here pretty soon. Uh, uh, kind of a, a warm up for his hunt. He he only hunts on the nights that it gets dark, so. Uh, I know he'll be going on tonight. But, uh, yeah, well, that's the way to do Autumn Oaks for sure is to to camp if you can. And that way you've got everything right there. And How many dogs did you take with you this year? Uh, This year we took took five. We hauled back six. Yeah, hauled hauled back an extra one. Just just, uh, hauling one back for a friend. For a friend. For Randy. Home back uh, that Dinah female hit. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I re- I remember that. Well, you know that uh, I don't know what you call it, coonhound grapevine or whatever. Uh, hunters have been very gracious uh, over the years to help each other out. In fact, we're looking right now for a ride for one uh, 
perhaps going to one of the zone hunts. Speaking of which, are coming up just the weekend uh, in a couple of days from the time we're recording this. And uh, But that's always been a big help. Uh, if you've got an extra hole in that dog box and you're going anyway, why not not help a brother out? You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've I've done it many times. In fact, living in Florida, I think for the last three years I've hauled a dog back here uh, for someone, and uh, don't mind it at all. It's always glad to help. All right. Well, I remember uh, I probably wasn't your favorite guy on that day, but back in 2016 at Greenville, Green's, Green Castle, I'll get it right in a minute, Indiana, you had a very, very handsome black and tan male. Best we could do for him was give him opposite sex in the world show. Um, that was a tough decision for me for sure. And uh, uh, But uh, I think that that's probably the first time maybe you and I were face-to-face, uh, or had I met you before, Dave? No, that was the first time, other than just, you know, through Facebook and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you do prefer the black and tan dogs, don't you? Yes, sir. It's just, yeah. it's always been something, you know. I've wanted to have one, and just uh, ever since I was a kid, and it just kind of snowballed mm-hmm. from there. And, and uh, but, but, yeah, back to that world show, I mean, I wasn't upset in one bit. I mean, it was just an honor to advance that far that day. Oh, you, know? you had an awesome, awesome hound on the bench there, and and so did Whitney Killo with that blue the blue tick that she showed, and so it it uh, really I could have closed my eyes and pointed. I guess you know it's one of those kind of things, but you got to have one winner. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, but, my uh, my wife she gets to rub it in because. The following year, she ended up, she won the whole entire show with her walker dog. And so she's got, she's got that one up on me. (laughs) (laughs) And she doesn't let you forget that, right? No, no. Well, right after Doc had won out at the world show, I had made a little tag out of a piece of paper and I put on his crate. And it just, you know, said opposite sex national grand, opposite sex world champion. I wrote his name on it as a joke. And while they're not in our kennel, she had to take a piece of duct tape and put it on top of his box and has his on there. She wrote world show champion real big the following year. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she's got to get it. In there. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, uh, let's talk just a, a minute about you and Kelly. Uh, how long have you guys been married? Well, we've been married eight years. I've uh, been together ten. Okay. And we had met right. each other through the dogs. Okay, so she was showing dogs when you met her, then. Huh? Yeah, yeah, we were. That's both cool. In. See, she grew up in the whole sport. Her her dad, well, her mom used to go around and compete in the local bench shows, and then her dad he competed in a lot of the night hunts, and so she had grown up you. in the whole sport. And who? What was her dad's name? His name was Earl Hoover. Okay. From there in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, very cool. So I believe you told me that uh, New Florence is just uh, east of Pittsburgh, right? In western PA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In addition to the hunting you do with your black and tan, I mean the showing you do with your black and tan, so you also hunt them some? Oh yeah, yeah. I I for the for the last couple of years, I kind of strayed away a little bit from the hunting. I was just showing a lot more, but then probably the last few years, I got started to get back into the hunting a little bit more on the competitive side. And I I always felt that if I'm going to keep one around, I don't want to have one just that looks like the dog. I want one that can perform and look the part. Yeah. Well, you know, that's uh, my old buddy, Lee Kearns from South Carolina. I know you know Lee. Uh, you know, he always, uh, 
insisted on having a good-looking dog in in the and we've discussed this many times. He he kind of takes it on the chin sometimes with people asking him, "Does he hunt his dog?" Well, Lee, at his age now, is no longer coon hunting, but for years and years he was uh, a very uh, avid coon hunter and uh, hunted uh, in Kentucky and then later in South Carolina, but. Uh, that dual purpose dog, I think uh, UKC has recognized that with that dual champion class that they uh, that they have. Have you participated in that at all? I have. Yeah, the last the last uh, three years I participated. Didn't have any luck in it. You know the yeah the first year the dog just you know come up a little short, and then uh, last year uh, what all happened last. Uh, last year, about the same situation. My dog just got in a section. There was a bunch of cutovers, and he boohooed around in there a little too long. And the other dog was working the edge, just slamming them up. And oh <laughs> yeah, I can't say it well last year. And this year we had a good hunt, but I just didn't get the yeah. didn't get the luck going my way. Well, I, w- I wish I could tell you that we did, but we did. <laughs> we pretty much had the same. <laughs> issue we uh, i have a little plot dog in partnership with mark miller in north carolina and uh, and mark hunted him pretty hard leading up to autumn oaks and said oh he's ready he's ready i said well he's never hunted in that kind of terrain before which it should be easier coming out of the mountains you know but uh, but no he he basically I think had the same issues. He hunted in the duels on Thursday night, and then in the, as a night champion on Friday night, and uh, narrowly got beat both times. And uh, uh, Jacob Coons, I don't know if you know Jacob. Uh, yeah, I actually there. I actually hunted with that dog a few times because they the uh, one kid Zach Savage that. Right, actually owns the dog. I yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives right down. He's probably about an hour and a half south of us down in Maryland. I got you. And he had come up to our club for a couple hunts there. I was actually, I think the night he finished him, the night champion, I was judging that cast. Okay, cool. Well, I've known Jacob's dad, Jeff, for a long time, but I had only, uh, this was the first time I'd actually spoken with Jacob at Autumn Oaks. And there again, I got the opportunity to talk with him and all and, uh, that's that's what it's about for me, for sure. I, I meet so many people, you know, at these coon hunts and have over the years, you know, with working with the registries as I did. But, uh, well, that's cool. Well, let's go back and rewind the tape just a little bit. You grew up there in Pennsylvania, I imagine. Yeah. Did you grow up in town or the country? I was very, very fortunate. I've, I've always said I had one of the biggest backyards in the state. I mean, where I grew up at, um, I grew up in a hollow, you know, it was a dead end road and a lot of family history there in that area. My, my grandfather, he had, he was born in that, you know, in that hollow and my grandmother, she was raised there also, but, um, there's just a lot of, a lot of good family history there. And there was a lot of property that was, it was privately owned around there. But they didn't have it posted. I mean, we had pretty much free run of the whole place. And then there was uh, coal companies. They had a bunch of strip mines. And they had, mm-hmm. my grandfather, back in the, I want to say in the 50s, he used to work on some of them strip mines. And then mm-hmm. the timber and all that regrew and whatnot. And so we had access to thousands of acres. You could walk it, ride it on four-wheelers and um, so I was, I was very, very fortunate to grow up where I did. I I'm hearing something that sounds like a dog just whining. I got one over in the crate there. We, we have a blood. Oh, okay. That's no problem. I just, I just wondered, I thought I heard that this is a dog podcast, you know, so we have a, we have a coon hound in the house and a bloodhound for deer. Oh, a bloodhound. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. Projects. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, oh, so many things to ask you. Uh, uh, I'd like to uh, like to know about you, and uh, that's uh, so. You grew up. Uh, was your dad a hunter? My dad was a hunter. Now he uh, he coon hunted 
they dabbled in a little bit back in the late 70s into the 80s. And he had gotten out of it. And him and my grandfather, they'd really gotten more into the farming. Uh, they had uh, cows and a lot of that stuff. And he had he had had a couple different breeds of dogs over the years. He started out with the blue tick, and then he had a black and tan, and then a walker. And and I just, you know, he he had gotten out of it. Now he always deer hunted, like we squirrel hunted when we were kids, and uh, did a lot of that. Um, but he would talk about coon hunting and a lot of that stuff, and that's just where it all kind of started. Planted the I got you. Planted the seed, you. I guess. When did you start hunting by yourself? Uh, well, or with a buddy, maybe. Or, or Well, I hunted with my dad there for a while. And in our state, you weren't allowed to, you had to be 16 to hunt by yourself. But where I hunted at, it was on our farm there. Yeah. So I was, I was like 14, 13, 14. Yeah. I cool. hunted by myself there, just squirrel and stuff and deer. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, I wanted to get a coon dog. I wasn't allowed at that time, but we had, it was a half beagle, half dachshund. He was our dog. Okay. That we had. <laughs> I was growing up. He looked, he looked like a short legged beagle and he was copper red with a saddle on him, you know, saddleback. Wow. And his name was Beauregard. We just called him Bo for short. Yeah. And basically like a, like a yard dog. He, he'd run around. And, uh, so that's kind of like, one of the way, one of the things that kind of piqued my interest into hunting with a dog was, uh, we would go up there fishing at the farm pond, and I'd take him with me. Me and my cousins would go up there fishing, and he'd run around out in the field and he'd bay up groundhogs. Mm, so we, yeah. and I remember the first time he did that stuff. It was, and then uh, <laughs> he he treated us a couple possums there around the house. Me and my brother would go behind the house and take him out and stuff and. But I wasn't allowed to get an actual hound just yet at that point. Um, so I, I, I had trapped and stuff like that just to kind of pacify my interest in it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of how I grew up, too. I grew up on the edge of town, but I could just go out my back door across our – we had a, a – fairly long lot and our dog kennel was at the back of it and if I went over the fence I could walk across the highway and within a quarter mile I could be in the woods so that was my routine as a kid uh, coming home from school as soon as I could get home change my clothes I'd grab my gun and take off you know for the woods mostly squirrel hunting um, some rabbit hunting and I remember <laughs> My first uh, dog was a little red tick beagle that I named Cleo, uh, and I'd take her and and we'd chase bunnies and uh, and all that. But I didn't get to carry a gun on a hunt by myself until I was old enough to uh, to get a license. Now in West Virginia, you have to be fifteen. Or at that time you did before you could get a hunting license, or you, you were required to get a hunting license at 15. So, I, you know, I really couldn't go and carry a gun without a license. So that's how that kind of all worked together for me. But uh, those parallels, I'm sure, are the same. And across the country, I'm sure there's a lot of guys listening to this podcast that remember when they were kids and their first experience out with their dogs. And, you know, it really didn't matter. You talk about your beagle, docks and cross. It really didn't matter as long as it was a dog, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah and, and that dog was gamey. He'd uh, get after uh, groundhogs and possums. My buddy... <laughs> Mark Miller was pleasure hunting last night, and he gave me a little uh, uh, update on his hunt, and he said the first tree they made was a, a big, big leafy tree, and they didn't find anything, and said the next time they split in fever, that's my plot, uh, he had uh, a possum, which is something he rarely does. But he treated a possum, and, of course, the walker dog, uh, of his buddy Benny's there, he got in there deep with a coon. So, so got us again. But 
Anyway, you know, just being out there in the woods with the dog has always had a very special meaning for me. And are you that way? I mean, would you rather hunt with a dog than any other way? Pretty much. Or not? So. I mean, I, I, I do, I do a lot of deer hunting and stuff with my, with my bow. I, I love archery hunting, okay. but if I had to choose, it would, it would be, you know, hunting with a hound any day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just always something different, you know, it's yeah. every, every night's a different adventure. And I mean, it's, that's how it was I mean, portrayed to me. You know? Yeah. Well, I mentioned the other day, uh, that, uh, you know, the expectation of walking up to a tree, uh, to a, to a tree dog never gets old, you know, because you never know exactly what the tree's going to be like. You never know what you're going to find or not find your, there's always that sense of expectation, at least for me, uh, walking up to that, to that tree dog. I remember when we started the beagle program at UKC and the first beagle hunt that we had, I judged it was in Darlington, Maryland, but uh, we had a club down in Virginia and I went down to meet with the guy that was running the club and he wanted to take me out and show me his dogs and he had some nice beagles and we went out uh, in the country there and it was like a hollow there were ridges on both sides, and these dogs were really driving this rabbit. But for some reason, our, uh, a farm dog from nearby, which uh, turned out to be a cur dog, got treed up on the ridge, treed a squirrel. So I, I just lost all interest in that beagle, in that rabbit chase. I wanted to go see what that dog had up the tree. So it's been really ingrained in me, you know, since I was a kid to do that sort of thing. I was big on pretending like, you know, when I was out in the woods as a kid, I I stayed in the woods as, as much as I could. And I like to pretend that I was on a big game hunt or if I was, you know, or, or maybe I only had my BB gun or maybe I only had a stick. But, you know, I was always role-playing, you know. I was a great white hunter. I was Daniel Boone. I was Davy Crockett. <laughs> you know, and hounds are such a good great gateway to other types of hunting. You know, we tell this to game officials around the country all the time when we're working with them on the laws that, uh, you know, it's such a good gateway and it's a catch and release for the most part, or at least you have the choice, you know. So what what stories from your, uh, from hunting with old Beauregard or any, anything else from back in those days do you remember? I just, I remember there we had them running around out there in the yard and me and my i have uh two older brothers and an older sister my sister's the oldest but my brother calvin we were down in the backyard and we heard Bo. he ended up getting treed back behind the house here so we go back to him and we're looking up the tree and i seen something up there and i said to him so he's got something up the tree, but I don't know exactly what it is. I said, it looks like a groundhog, but I didn't realize they could climb a tree. Well, we <laughs> find out they can climb trees. Oh, yeah. That was, that was one there. And then he had actually, in the daylight, he treated a kitten coon right in the backyard. We had these three big catalpa trees. They get them real long green mm. beans on them. Right, right. And, he come running up through the backyard. We're all out there and we hear something and see this little coon running up the tree and he just got on the tree and started treeing on it. I'll be darned. You know, my wife's dog is a dachshund. He's a purebred. I don't know. Did you meet or know Tyler Stroh over at, at yeah, uh, Richmond? Yeah. I, I, I knew who he was. I actually got to meet him. At you know, over at the gate there, and I was talking to him there for a little bit. This you know, at Oaks this year, 
Yeah, he likes the black and tan dogs too. But we heard that he had uh, miniature dachshunds. Well, by the time we got a hold of him about this litter of puppies, he only had one left for sale. And he told me up front, this dog is going to be bigger than a mini. You know, he's going to... He was the largest pup in the litter, and he's probably not going to be within that, whatever, 16 pounds and under, I think they have to be. But anyway, so we bought the dog. I went up to Richmond and got the dog and brought him back, and he's been an awesome dog. Uh, we Ella had had dachshunds before, and she kept telling me what great little dogs they are, but he has zero treeing instinct. We have squirrels all over here, you know, and he loves to chase them. But he, when they get up the tree, he just looks up there and says, oh, well, you got away again, and off he goes. You know? <laughs> so it's pretty interesting that yours would tree. Uh, that, that's neat for sure. Yeah, he only ever, he only ever treed. I would say he really only ever treed twice that I can remember. Now, the, like I said about the possums, most of them, he would bay them up on the ground, and we'd run up to them with the flashlight and check them out, and he'd just bay them up on the ground, and they were playing dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, let's go back and talk about your dogs a little bit. Let's talk about these black and tans. You have had a tremendous amount of success, as we alluded to earlier, winning opposite sex and your and your wife winning the, the world show, I believe you, you told me. And give me some background on those dogs. Is this a line of dogs that you've had, or are this just individuals that you've picked and chosen, or how's that work? Well, for the most part, it's it's a line. I mean, it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the dogs go back to. I don't know if you remember Bill Mack. Oh, absolutely. A lot Who of could the- forget Bill. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's a good friend, but boy, he is, is he a joker. He is. It's every year, black and tan days, we make it a point to go out for the whole week, and we go pleasure hunting there for the day. Oh, yeah. It's always yeah. I, I crack up on Facebook watching him and Meryl Money going at each other, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, those guys, what a what a hoot. But, uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, well, Dave. They go back to, to some of his stuff, and you remember Cowboy Bill from back in the day. Oh, absolutely. Um, what a great dog. And a lot of them are tied in with Cowboy Bill. And so that's mainly the the whole foundation for it all. And I have a couple other dogs that would, I guess, basically be like a, like an outcross. Like the dog, I finished him the Grand Knight there last year and been hunting him. He's not out of anything related to that. But... Um, but yeah, for the most part, they all go back to Cowboy Bill, which is where my first black and tan, that's where I fell in love with the whole line of dogs. They had that look to them. They had the head that the Cowboy Bill and them, them dogs behind yeah. them put on. Well, I remember when Amy was showing Cowboy Bill and what a tremendous, uh, competitor he was just, a just a super, super nice dog. And uh, they these dogs are yours now. As I recall, the dog that you showed in Greencastle uh, back in 2016 was a bigger dog than Cowboy Bill. Yeah, it's in a, size, right? A little, little I, maybe. I never actually got to see Cowboy Bill in person, so I can't say okay. for certain. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he was. Doc was always a good size, you know, good size hound. Yeah, what would he weigh? 75, 70, 75 I would pounds, say he's maybe. he's about 70, right on 70. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He might be a little over that now because he's <laughs> he's living to retire. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we all know about <laughs> that. Well, okay, so let's go back then. The first dog out of that line that you had was, was out of Cowboy Bill. Is that right? Well, Is that what you said? he was actually a grandpa of Cowboy Bill. Mm-hmm. The, the way I come about getting him was I had met uh, Scott Hogan. Oh yeah. And my plot friends. From yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Scott and, and Connie. I grew up probably about 
15 minutes away from him. I never even knew that he existed with the dogs. And at the time when I was a kid coon hunting, I didn't know anybody else coon hunting. I just did it by myself. But mm-hmm. I had, I was working on a dairy farm in the evenings and this one older gentleman, he'd stop in down there every once in a while. He wanted to go coon hunting and myself and the farmer's son, he had a blue tick and I had a walker female. Well, we took our friend Dave, Dave Grigg is his name. We took him hunting and he got the bug. He went and he bought two blue ticks and just so happened by chance, Scott was driving past his house and seeing these blue ticks and thought, who is this guy with these coon dogs in his yard? So he stopped in and talked to Dave and got to meet him. And I think a couple weeks later, I met up with Scott. And that's the first time I met him. And actually, the, the first time I met him, we were going to buy the, the Garmin when it first came out. It had the old road on top the neck and oh yeah the the, rubber ducky antenna on top of the vest (laughs) so so dave was going to buy this tracking system it was the big deal you know so we all piled in the truck we drove up to lion country supply and we go in there and we had to try it out that night and whatnot but uh well anyway i went along with them to it was my first competition hunt i ever went to first coon club event and I rode along, I spectated. Scott was hunting the dog for her friend Dave. It was a walker. Well, David ended up getting a walker dog at this point then after the blue mm-hmm. chicks. Uh, it was a Buck Creek bred dog. And uh, I walked along on that cast and I just got hooked on it. And yeah. so then later that week after that hunt, I uh, I knew I wanted to get a registered dog because the walker female I had was a great dog. She didn't have any papers. And Scott's dad happened to be selling a black and tan at that time. Scott told me about him that night before we went hunting. And we went out and we treated a few coons. And it was during the season. And we stopped in at Jim's house. That's Scott's dad, Jim Hogan. And we walked into his basement. And in his basement, he had he had a bunch of old coon hunting memorabilia and he had his old trophies and paintings and uh almost like a museum in there and that's where i met him and then he had i'd asked him about cowboy the dog's name and he told scott he said go bring that dog down from the kennel and as soon as scott walked through the door with him i looked down at him and i just i instantly fell in love with him and I had wanted a black and tan before him, but then when I seen him, he distilled the deal. And then uh, I ended up buying him that week. I I was still young at the time and uh, wasn't making a lot of money. So I asked him, I said, well, I got some bills I got to pay. I get paid on Friday. Can I stop and pick them up Friday and pay you? He said, yeah, that's fine. And I think I made it a day and then I had to. It was just beat on me. Good way. <laughs> so I ended up going and getting them, and and uh, but he was he was one of them dogs that he had a he would rig out of the box. Yeah. And at the time, you know, I I was just I'd hunt with Scott and them, but I hunted a lot by myself as well. And we had some uh, Queen Mahoning Reservoir, which is up here. It's a big dam and. And there's a gravel road that runs a whole way around it. And there's some hollows that got tributaries that feed down into it. Mm-hmm. And I would just take my dog box, push it up to the cab. I had a short chain and I'd just snap them on there. And he would, I, he would rig from the box, but I found it was better to have them outside. I'd just yeah. drive around that gravel road. And as soon as he'd open, I'd pull the truck over and turn them loose and had a lot of fun with them. But that's one of the things that I eat. I've noticed it seems like those dogs that go back to Cowboy Bill all have that, have a real strong nose on them. Yeah. Do you, do you Did still, I lose you? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah, okay. sure. Okay. My headset was acting up there. I don't know if my, wife, okay. my wife's phone was trying to connect. All we love is technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, my producer's going to love that dog whining in the background. He's probably going to choke me for that. <laughs> uh, that's all right. Go ahead and tell me about the nose on this black dog. Well, he just, you know, it's one of them things that I just, 
I just fell in love with him and mm-hmm. just he his looks and at the time I had never had any intentions of of uh of showing dogs. It was mm-hmm. always just uh compete and hunts and whatnot. But Scott's dad, Jim, he had stayed after me about he's like, You need to show this dog and so I ended up I got into showing them and did well with them, you know, for yeah. all the more that I knew with them. But uh, I yeah. mean, yeah. there's kind of were a thing the clubs them. fairly act- active up in your area at that time. They were that the the year on that would have been 2008. That's okay, when okay. I got my first first registered dog, mm-hmm. and uh so they, they were still like, we had this one event. It was called the Little Mountain Music Hunt. Oh, yeah. And they hold it over in at Blairsville. It's about, from where I live now, it's about 15, 20 minute drive. But they used to get, just in the show, they used to get numbers of like 60, 65 dogs. And so, I mean, it was, it was always a big turnout. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Well, you know, I remember my own experiences, Dave, and I'm sure they're a lot like yours when I first wanted to start showing dogs and, and, you know, and I would prepare my dog at home and try to get the dog to stand. Uh, I noticed we're getting a little feedback there a little bit on, are you hearing that? Yeah. I'm getting something on my speaker there or on my headphone. I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I get this reassuring little uh, message on the uh, uh, screen here that says the actual recording is higher quality. So <laughs> let's hope for the best. But no, just the thrill of, of being able to prepare a dog and uh, – and then take it out in public. And I remember the first times that I did that. And, you know, I was nervous. I was sweating bullets, you know, but there was a lot of pride involved in it too. I I really enjoyed it because it was dogs. I've just always been a dog person. That's why I guess when I wrote a book, I called it Gone to the Dogs because that was what my mother always said, you know, about about, uh, my dad having a half dozen or so dogs out back and she'd look out the kitchen window and say, we've gone to the dogs, look out there and all that stuff. (laughs) But, uh, well, what was your first big win that you can remember that really kind of, kind of sticks in your mind? Yeah. With, with cowboy, it would have been, uh, it would have been at that, Little Mountain Music Show mm-hmm. when I was there and I had showed Cowboy and his title name was Myers Midnight Rhinestone Cowboy. All right. And uh, I went down there and I showed him and I, you know, I seen other people, they were showing their dogs. They had the show leads and all that. And I was just going in there with a hunting collar on the dog and, and the lead mm-hmm. and just, uh, just walking in there and, gating the dog around i didn't really gate him but the guy that was judging was uh elwood simmons oh yeah the plot man from indiana yeah Yeah, he come over to to judge that show that day i remember him motioning for me to go faster i'm thinking what's he talking about and that i ended up winning opposite that day i won opposite sex but i mean i beat a lot of really nice dogs that day in the show and uh It's just like I look back at it, and then I learn from there. Well, if I'm going to do this, I need to get better at it because I got a good yeah. enough dog. I just need to make myself better with it. And well, I'm glad you're saying these things, Dave, because this is encouragement, you know, to – I hope it is – to anyone out there that's uh, thought, well, I'd like to show dogs, but they find it a bit intimidating, or especially if they go to – a show like Autumn Oaks for their first show, they're going to say, wow, those people are all professional, you know, they, but they all started out the same way. You know, most of them I've seen so many times at local clubs and all 
uh, guys come in with a dog on a on a dog with a dog chain wrapped two or three times around their down their head, and the dog they're pulling the dog around the ring like a Tonka toy, you know, or like a pull toy. <laughs> the dog set the brakes as soon as it gets into the the ring, you know, and goes into the squat, and here they go. <laughs> Well, you know, hey, everybody has to learn. You got to start somewhere. Uh, I don't recommend anyone go to out to a show like that today because you're probably not going to do very well. But you got to do that work at home, you know, working with that dog and stacking the dog and getting the dog to lead properly. And and yes, we all anymore if we're going to show. We're going to have to pick our feet up a little bit and move around that ring. And that's all just to really show the dog how he travels and, you know, and get and, and present. Uh, handling a dog in a show, you may or may not agree, is all about presentation, you know, uh, preparation and presentation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that was kind of you're on your way after after that show, and with Elwood, yeah, Elwood did a great job out in Brazil, Indiana, with the uh, Youth World event that they put on out there for several years. And when I was at AKC, uh, I had an apprentice uh, in the office there for the summer, and he was going to vet school. But uh, AKC had a nice apprenticeship program where interns could come in and uh, intern program, I should say, where they could come in and work through the summer in some kind of dog-related activity. And I had a young man uh, from out east whose family uh, were breeders of uh, smooth-haired collies, uh, but he knew nothing about coonhounds, and I wanted to take him to a coonhound event, so we flew into, uh, I think, to Indy and drove over to that Brazil, Indiana show that Elwood uh, hunt and show, and they had a field trial and water race and the whole nine yards. It was a great thing. Did you ever attend that, Dave? No, I never. No, never when you were younger. Yeah, whenever I first got into the registered dogs, it was I was already – 19 years old at that time, so oh, okay. never had the opportunity for the youth events. Right, yeah. Well, we didn't have such animals when I was a kid. Uh, we barely had cars. <laughs> but, uh, well, uh, um, any experiences, uh, particular shows that you remember down the line that, that were – exciting to you or fun to win or you uh, know there was a few I, i'll never forget my very first autumn oaks it was i went there in 2008 yeah. my dad and i went out and i haven't missed one since uh we had went out there and uh i just remember going into that building and seeing all the people and you know it's like yeah these are the people you see in the magazines <laughs> and uh Seeing H.L. Meyer and Mike Seats and Bill Mack yeah. and uh, Doc and Chirpy Birdsaw. And I remember <laughs> watching the show and Bill Mack comes up to me and is talking to me. And I'm just thinking, I was almost starstruck, you know, like, and, uh, and then later that weekend, I was in the, at the hotel. I get in the elevator and it goes down a floor and the door opens and here comes H.L. and, Miss Diane, they get in the elevator. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, and he starts talking to me and he's trying to buy my dog off of me. <laughs> <laughs> he was watching me show him the day before and he's trying to buy him and stuff. And we started talking and uh, just one of them deals. And just, it's like a starstruck experience and just getting to see an event <laughs> of that magnitude is uh, something I'm well, Oh, yeah, of course. And H.L. Uh, Meyer is a guy that I like a lot, and, and we used to, uh, he used to come down to Johnny Brinkley's there in, uh, 
in Tallahassee, and we talked about that here a couple, two or three weeks ago when Lee and Johnny were on the podcast and talking about HL. And unfortunately, Diane has passed away. Uh, what a sweet, sweet lady she was and someone I always enjoyed seeing. Uh, but yeah, you know, we do tend to idolize uh, some of the the people that we see in the pages. That's why I, I was very saddened uh, to see, you know, full crying American Cooner, uh, you know, terminate. But then I've been very excited about the uh, prospect of Danny and Jason Doobie out in Oregon State that are picking full cry up and, uh, and are going to be publishing it. I think their first issue comes out in October. And I've seen, I've had some sneak peeks on the work that Danny's doing with the magazine, and it's it's very, very nice. And I think Coon Hunters are all going to want to be a part of that publication, especially once they see, uh, you know, how, how neat it is. But, yeah, we look at, look at these people we see them in the pages of the magazines or we see them online and they are our idols or heroes or you know people you know i've never been much into pop culture i don't you know i don't care much about who's the on the red carpet you know at the at the oscars i never watch that stuff but i do and have down through the years since I was a little kid, you know, read the Coonhound magazines. And I, you know, remember my first time meeting, you know, famous hunters like uh, John Wick, like meeting uh, Joe House and James Merchant and, and John Monroe and all of these hunters down through the years that have made a mark. And, of course, I realize most of those are Walker people that I've mentioned, but the same goes for the the other breeds. I, I was reading someone uh, sent me a little clipping out of one of the magazines the other day uh, of, a, of an item that Dave Dean, the late blue tick breeder, had written about being at the Bellevue, Michigan Club one night sitting around the fire pit playing guitars with uh, with Todd Callum and myself and some other other people there, you know, and just, oh, man, I have such a sea of memories, Dave. When I start talking on one of these podcasts, my mind just runs off in all directions of all the great times that I've had. And I've been, I feel what you're saying about meeting some of these people for the first time because I felt that way too, you know really did yeah it, it's yeah. always it was definitely a great experience well you mentioned two of my favorite people in the coon hunting coon hunting world doc and chirpy birdsell and I, for two years in a row now i have not uh, chirpy has come by to say hello at the booth and i've missed her and I, I publicly apologize to you, Chirpy, if you're listening, because <laughs> I always, always delighted in seeing Chirpy and, and Dr. Birdsall, of course, Doc has judged many, many times. Chirpy and their daughter, Kathy, you know, are so involved with showing. And, and even I remember Kathy winning a world show one time after uh, – I think after I went to uh, either PKC or AKC, I don't remember which one now, but yeah, great folks, great folks, all black and tan folks. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, do you do you get to uh, get out to black and tan days every year? Yeah, I haven't missed one since uh, the very first one was 2009, and that was my very first one, and. I haven't missed one since. Me and my dad, we used to go out. Uh, was, he actually had gotten back into coon hunting since, you know, whenever I got my first dog, he had, uh, yeah. he was actually at the time, not to get off on another uh, path here, but. Well, I chase I, rabbits all the time, so you're <laughs> welcome to do the same. 
but he was he was an over the road truck driver. He hauled steel out of Pittsburgh oh, okay. out to Chicago, and so yeah. he was gone all week. And whenever I was, I had Cowboy. He had came home, and when he went down to see him there behind the house, he just fell in love with him. And well, I ended up he I had bought another male dog after Cowboy. And my dad ended up getting him off of me. And then he's had dogs ever since himself now, black and pins. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, uh, I forget where we were going with that. Well, you know, I'll jump in there a little bit. My dad was a pipe fitter, and he worked on the Ohio Valley, uh, Ohio River, up and down the length of it, building chemical plants and power plants and things like that. So he was always gone during the week, too. So my dad and I only got to hunt on weekends when I was a kid growing up, you know. And then he would take a week off or two weeks off or whatever to go bear hunting in the fall or in the winter, actually, in West Virginia. And uh, so I I understand that. And uh, uh, it was during those times when my dad was away that I'd be pouring through the pages of those American Cooners and Full Cries that that he always had, that always came to the mailbox when I was a kid. And uh, I read those stories every every word that I read, the classifieds. I read those extra fancy cooners from Arkansas for $75 and all those kind of ads that used to be <laughs> in the magazine back in those days. Well, um yeah, you say about those old magazines. That's actually, you know, I had found one back when I was a kid. It was from 1980. It was a full cry. And mm-hmm. that's where, before I was allowed to have a dog, I would look through those. And that's where I originally started to really fall in love with the black and tans was there was an ad in there from when Ed Abel had bought Tennessee Big Wheel. And it oh, had, yeah. the, had the big picture on there. It said, Tennessee Big Wheel rolls into Oklahoma. <laughs> and it had the whole story on there. And, you know, I, I burned through, I found a couple more of those from the same year. And actually, whenever I was, I would have been a sophomore, or no, I was a freshman in high school. And I had subscribed to Full Cry. And at, I was, at the time, I was expecting it to be like it was in 1980. But it ended up, it was right. more, more geared towards squirrel hunting and whatnot. Right. But it didn't matter. I still still read through it. There were still plenty of articles in there and stuff on coon hunting and all that. Yeah. Well, you know, back in the day, and I think that's what the the new owners are going to try to recreate a lot of the old feel of the magazine with the new technology, the full color, the layouts and all that stuff. But the editorial, from what I can see, is going to be old school. It's going to have a lot of the older history and uh, and all those kind of things in there. And, uh, you know, Full Cry, when I was a kid, came rolled up in brown paper. And I would say the average Full Cry, when you picked it up from the mailbox, was about the size of a rolling pin. You see, like, did you roll out dough to make a pie or uh, whatever? It was three or four inches in diameter, uh, all rolled up tight, and you had to slit that brown paper very carefully, and then you could unroll the magazine, and you'd have to turn it upside down and roll it the other way to try to get it to lay flat, you know. And the pages were more, they weren't the slick uh, pages like we see now. They were much more like newsprint. Uh, But the content in that magazine was amazing. You know, the writers, the stories, uh, and, of course, the ads on the dogs, the dogs for sale. I always enjoyed reading those. I never bought a dog out of a magazine, but I always enjoyed it. And I had an episode here this year about a guy named Kaz Walker. 
from Tennessee who was a businessman that always ran an ad for dogs for sale in, in uh, Full Cry every single month. And I read every one of them, you know. And I and I would think, now, what this dog is $900, and this dog is $800. What makes this dog worth $100 more <laughs> than this dog? And I'd compare them and all, you know, I— I've been eating up with it ever since I was a kid, Dave. But anyway, I yeah. did buy one out of a magazine once. It was it was out of the American Cooner. It was you remember Jim yeah. Kennard used to always. Oh yeah, okay. Jim Kennard. It was yeah. a black and tan female, and yeah. she she was a nice dog. I mean, she was everything he told me she was. And yeah, well, that's good to know. That's good to know because uh, sometimes, you know, <laughs> the paper, as the old, there was an old saying around guys that say paper will hold still for anything. <laughs> so some of those ads are pretty creative. It's an old joke, and you probably heard it about the guy that was writing the ad on his dog for sale. Did you hear that one, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he described him, and when he got through, he said, man, I've always wanted a dog like that. I think I'll just keep him. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this community of coon hunters is wide and it's 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 deep and it's uh, not as large as it was at one time in history, but due to the you know outside forces of places to hunt and and conflicts with landowners and deer hunters and all those crazy things, but you go to Autumn Oaks and you see five hundred and eleven dogs entered on a Friday night, you know that you know it's still. Uh, it's it's far from down for the count, you know. Yeah, you get guys saying, you know, the sport's dying, and and I can't, I I kind of hate to hear that, you know, mm. when they when they say it in those terms. I I can't really say it's dying. I, in my eyes, it's it's shifted. You know, yeah. it's, it's shifted there's been a paradigm that. shift in yeah in the way we're the way we're hunting. Of course, the equipment that we have is phenomenal now. Uh, you know, mo a lot of our time back in the old days was spent, uh, you know, trying to find dogs that we had lost. So, uh, well, Dave, we've had a, a visit here of almost an hour, um, and uh, I don't know, do you think we ought to, wrap this thing up or you got some things that that you you'd like to talk about yeah i'm i'm good with that if you are you know we could always do <laughs> another one down the road <laughs> well that's for sure well what are your plans going forward i mean for your dogs you got any plans you're going to just continue what's going status quo or what's up no we got some some litters planned and stuff some crosses we want to make uh we got uh my wife's showing some dogs out at the world show there coming up this year. Oh yeah. That's at Mount Gilead this year again, right? Yeah. In Ohio. Yeah. I always have to get this little plug in for Mount Gilead. That was the one and only time the year was 1988 that a plot won the UKC world night hunt championship. Sizzling a dog beef. called Sizzling. You know that. Yeah. How about that? You know your history. Oh, uh, my, my wife always gives me grief over that because a lot of like the, the world show champions and some of the world hunt champions, I can sometimes rattle off the name of the dog and what year. And I can with the world show dogs for sure. But Well, you know, I did a podcast while at Autumn Oaks, and maybe you listened to it. I don't know for on the Hunting Ops podcast with Alan Gingrich and Trevor Wade, and I really appreciate the opportunity to sit down with those guys, and we had a good conversation, you know, there that I enjoyed very much. Those are two stand-up guys. I'll go to bat for them. Uh, anytime. I think they're doing a great job. I think their hearts are in the right place. They want what's best for UKC coon hounds and coon hunting without a doubt. But Alan asked me, you know, what I thought were some of my, 
best achievements and so forth when I worked at UKC. I was there in that chair for 16 years and worked three years prior to that as a field rep before, you know, going elsewhere. But, you know, one of the things that I'm most proud of is that UKC World Show Championship. We started that thing in 1985 in Columbia City, Indiana. And I remember the very first one, you know, that we had. And it was it was exciting. And there was a dog called uh, People's Smoking Joe. And it was a plot dog that won that first show that year. And, uh, but anyway, not the fact that the plot won it, although I was happy, uh, but, uh, just to have a world show championship, you know, we had Autumn Oaks show has always been bigger, uh, and, you know, more folks participating, but to have that world show champion title, you know, was a big deal to me. And I, and I think that it has continued to be, you know, down through the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, I tell you what, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Maybe next time we can get you and Kelly on here together. And yeah, uh, you guys can duke it out on the mic here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, she is, she is starting to convert all to mostly all black and tan. So. Oh, is she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There for a while, and she had a couple yeah, right. of pants, but right. we kind of shifted the balance in the kennel now. I, I got you. Well, that's good. Well, um, when does your coon season come in in Pennsylvania? Uh, it'll come in October 21st. I was just okay. looking the other day to check and see how long out it was yet. Is there anyone there that still buys fur in, in uh, your area? It's very, very slim anymore. I mean, even even if you do have somebody that'll buy it, it's it's not paying hardly anything for them. Right. Yeah. I always liked it when there was at least a value to the a somewhat value. You know, the years I lived in Michigan, I would always sell a few furs at the end of the year. That was all part of it. You know, going to a fur buyer when the season was done and. Uh, and all, and I I miss that, of course. When you mentioned our friend Randy Smith, you know he was very much into trapping and right. processing. Here, he's he's a an expert at that. I I've looked at at some of his work, you know, and uh, he's been a lifelong trapper. And it's sad to see those kind of things go away, you know, because yeah. those animals do have a value, and. Uh, it's a shame that, you know, there isn't a market for them anymore. But. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing to see. It is. Yeah. Well, we roll with the flow, don't we? We yep. just <laughs> yep, keep going. So you're going out to Mount Gilead for the world show then. You, uh, do you have a dog in the hunt? No. I was only able to hit one qualifier this year, and my dog ended up treating a porcupine in the last seven minutes. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> And well, I, I don't have to get any other yeah. ones going. So it, uh, I'll have to sit this year out and I'm going to have yeah. to start trying to get in, get one qualified earlier next year. But. Yeah. Well, we didn't get our plot qualified either. I only went to one RQE all year. So, but he's not yet two years old. So we've got time and uh, maybe next year will be his year. <laughs> yeah. It, it'd be. Oh. It'd be, a, you know, it's a shame not to have one qualified this year because, yeah. I mean, the zones are about, they're about an hour and a half north of. Yeah, um, Mercer, they're yeah. not far from you, isn't it? And yeah. then Mount Gilead, I mean, that, I hunted out there this year for black and tan days and uh, the Tournament of Champions there this spring and just beautiful hunting out there. Oh, yeah, they got terrific hunting there and, and uh uh, that area has always been good for Kuning. That club at Ashland has that big blue tick on every year out there in, in March, I believe it is. And uh, Well, Dave Myers from New Florence, Pennsylvania, the Keystone State. It's been great visiting with you, Dave. Wish you and Kelly a lot of success with your dogs going forward, and I'm going to hold you to that uh 
well, we'll call it a promise that you'll come back on Gone to the Dogs and we'll talk about the black dogs and we'll let uh, let Kelly have her say there too. The Absolutely. Next time around. Okay. Well, thank you All for right. having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah. Dave, it's been an honor to have you and uh, I know our listeners will feel that way too. Folks, that's it for Gone to the Dogs for this episode. Please, if you need anything in the way of hunting gear, apparel, electronics, customer service that's unparalleled, look up the good folks at W Hunting Supply. They'll treat you right. If somebody asks you, where's that old coon hunter with the gravelly voice? Where's, what's he doing? Just tell them he's up there in Pennsylvania with Dave Myers. They've gone to the dogs. Mm-hmm.